Oh, are we live already? I gotta. I don't know what the sound is like with this headset. My uh, my my long um, phallic shotgun microphone is not available to me tonight. I'm exhausted. Actually, I'm like super tired. I'm probably gonna say that over and over again while we wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody did. <laughs> This guy in the friggin' Facebook group did the coolest thing ever. He, because Dave, I don't know who, bleh, sorry, let's start over. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. There's nobody here yet. Um, I had Damien, Pete, Pete Marshall was on um, Pizza Punk. It was a great, it was a great time. Great time was uh, had with him. Uh, you can watch that on YouTube right now. Uh, it seems to be quite popular and very I'm very pleased about that, that it's quite popular. Um, you know, you want everything to stick, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to stick. But when it sticks, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. So, you know, here it is. You can see for a second. I'll put this up if I can get the thing, get the thing going, Cliven. There you go. No, I'm going to add that to the stream. Add to the stream. There you go. Yeah, so I had um, I had uh, Damien on, and we had so much fun talking about um, his ex- – whoa, there's a commercial. A lot of those. You'll see a lot of commercials recently. Let the commercials play. You know, Jeff gets paid when the commercials play. It's nice, guys. Helps out. Helps pay the bills. So let those commercials play on the video. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. Yeah, I had uh, Pete on. It was very nice of him to come on. I was really appreciative. And like I said, uh, it seems to be a very popular interview. I know it only says 320 views, but here's the thing you have to remember. The thing that's the thing that's really awesome is it's not about the views per se. It's the watch hours. That's what's really important. So in less than how, – how long is this? In two days, in two days, it's 135 watch hours. That's very good for me. Those are good numbers for me. It's not, those are not bad numbers, you know. Um, it's good, man. That's really good. I'm very pleased. I got it. Somebody subscribed. It's good. It's good. So, uh, yeah, so let those, let those videos uh, play out their ads. It's, uh, it's, it's good for business, as they say. It's good for business. We're back. I am. I am so tired. So let me tell you what I was doing over the weekend. Not that you care, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it's my show and I get to do what I want on my show. Michael Graves can mute people and kick them off his show when he wants to talk about why black lives don't matter. This is my show and I could talk about my life if I want to on my show. No, I'm a little wonky. I've just been drinking a lot of caffeine um ah thanks adam 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 liked the damien show that makes me man that makes me happy when i hear that stuff um i did a 72 hour film debacle challenge for the sick and wrong film festival sick and wrong uh film festival my friend steven stall I've never said his name out loud. I think that's his name this is the sick i just did this over the weekend it was a lot of fun i Along with my team, I wrote, shot, directed, edited uh, a, a completely original short film in 72 hours. 
That's no easy feat. We're going to get us one of these lovely enamel pins. I told the guys, I said, you can keep the action figure trophy if we win anything, but I want the enamel pin for myself, okay? So so we did that, and it was uh, very challenging. I was really sort of bummed. So the screening is on December 11th, so check that out. Uh, there's an Evite link. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, you can watch it here. Here you go. That's the watch link. Let's see. Copy. So bookmark this link. I'm putting it in the chat. Oh, no, that doesn't work at all. Huh. Is that going to bring it? Yeah, here you go. This is the Evite that will eventually populate. Uh, cool. Cool. I didn't know about that. Um, so, yeah, so I am a part of this, and it was a lot of fun. And I wonder if my team is – is my team there? That's Steven. And, yeah, you could see all these movies are available for free. They will be available for free, including the short film that I uh, helped to write and uh, I directed. Uh, it looks – it doesn't look very good. Uh, we didn't shoot with lights. We didn't have time to light – the set usually you always want to light a set when you're shooting the film. We we couldn't do much lighting. It's called Beyond the Green Hole. Yeah, you heard correctly, the Green Hole. Uh, the co-writer, one of my co-writers, kept thinking of Green Hell. He called it Green Hole, so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's uh it's uh it's a pretty gross film. That's all I'm going to say about that. So check that out. That's on December 11th. Little promotion there. Okay, that's the. Kickoff event was December 3rd, right? We did that already. Um, so, yeah, Sick and Wrong Film Festival was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I can't wait to get my little enamel pin. It's going to be good. Put it right here, the hat right next to my Nicolas Cage button. I had these made for the Blitz Kid Tour. Despite all my rage, I'm still watching Nicolas Cage. Um, how's the mic sound, by the way? Uh, okay. All right. Let's let us begin. I got to tell you. So, the reason why I brought this up in the first place, it's like, why am I, Jeff, you're not making any sense. You're just talking like a, like a weirdo. Yes, I am talking like a weirdo. Cause like I said, I am operating on very, very little sleep. I've slept like four plus six, 10 hours, 10 ish hours in the last 72 hours. So I'm very tired. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to go for tonight. Um, I'm I wanted to do the second part. The second part includes this interview, but I think we're just gonna we're gonna do finish what we started, and we'll we'll assess at the end there. If anybody wants to join or say hello, I'm gonna put the invite the the Streamyard link in the the chat. Um, if you're trying to get a hold of me, or if you've been messaging me, I have been incredibly busy over the last seventy. Two hours, and that's why I've not been reachable. Although I'm not very reachable to begin with, um, I will be in touch. I promise. I really, really promise. Um, I've not even. I've been wearing these same clothes. I've been wearing the same clothes for three days, almost, almost three days, maybe about two and a half days. Grimy, I know, but you know, listen. When you're making art, when you're making movies, there's no time to shower. Um. Where were we in this interview? Does anybody remember? Uh, I'm going to start right here. 
so our interviewer who okay so what last where we last left off sorry okay I'm, I'm i'm in it i'm in it i'm i'm razor focused now so where we last left off so we're in the year 2003 this is part two uh, we've read an interview in 1993. We read an interview in 1983. We're missing an interview from 1973. Nobody wanted to interview Jerry in 1973. Next, we'll do 2013. But right now, we're in 2003. Uh, it's a very amusing, interesting time uh, for Jerry and his friends, Jerry and his kids. Jerry's constantly talking about the kids and Doyle's out of the band and... Des and Marky Ramon are in the band, and it's like a weird situation, man. They're putting out, they're covering 50 songs. Um, they're playing snowboard festivals. Um, Misfits Records has launched. Uh, they, what else? Um, it's just, it's nutty. It's a nutty, nutty time for them. Uh, Jerry, for, uh, for, because out of necessity, has become the lead singer of the band, the front man and lead singer. But as we discussed last week, and I want to stress this again, I really want to give Jerry credit here. I think if Jerry had his druthers, he would not be the front man. I don't think Jerry really wants to be the front, or I don't think Jerry really wanted very much to be the front man, or at least he was happy to not be the front man. He was cool. It, so it seemed from a public perspective, from an archival perspective, from a historic perspective, pouring over all this nerdy stuff that we pour over, it would seem that Jerry was very content being in the peripheral to letting Michael Graves be the, the main centerpiece front man. And that he, even if he was calling the shots, was doing so from the shadows, from the wings. That's cool. I think that's really cool. And, you know, a combination of, hey, I don't have to pay an extra guy. I don't have to worry if my guy is not going to be able to get into Canada because he has a, a you know, a, a bad record or, you know, a, 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 a slew of reasons as to as to why um, uh, having an, a, a, the more members you have in the band, the more potential monkey wrenches there are. And so Jerry's like, oh, OK, I, I, I don't have to pay an extra person and uh, I don't have to worry about an extra guy and I'll just do all the singing. And uh, I'll just get the job done because Jerry is a hardworking, blue-collar, meat-and-potatoes kind of guy. And that is exactly what his approach is to being the front man of Jerry's misfits, right? That's what he does. He's like – and, you know, that's where everybody, like, yells and gets mad at him and is like, oh, my God, he sings the songs terribly and they play the songs too fast. And Jerry, you know, Jerry's treating it like he's, you know, at, at, the, at the machine shop. Yeah, we're just going to cut these parts out, you know. Not even, not even considering the, uh, you know, uh, oh hey, maybe the song needs to be played a little slower because it, you know, has more dynamics that way. Or yada, this is why Earth AD stuff got uh, suffered so bad. You know, um, he's just off to the races. He's like, yeah, we do fifty songs in a set, ah, for the kids. It's for the kids. You know, he's super pumped about that. Um, but you know, like I said, hardworking. You know, me uh, uh, conveyor conveyor production line doesn't necessarily equal a good entertaining show, you know? So, oh yeah, we're doing 50 songs, like giving the kids uh, their, their money's worth. Hey, I went to go see that Jerry's Misfits Live. I saw him in 2007. And you know what? I had a pretty good time. Even then, I, you know, I was I, at, at that point, uh, Danzig and Doyle were not coming to my hood in Chicago. And, you know, uh, Jerry was here at the House of Blues. As a matter of fact, he was living 
in Chicago at this time. He had, he, he, uh, had settled down. He had a, a daughter, uh, with this woman and, uh, was, uh, they got married and he was living in Chicago. And, uh, so he's playing house of blues. It's kind of like a, a home away from home show for, for Jerry. And, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad time. And, uh, Robo was in the band. Now Marky had left was Marky and, and Jerry had a, had a falling out. And there's a lot, there's a lot to that. You know, it's funny. I actually heard Marky talk about it at, uh, <laughs> doing a demo for his, uh, pizza sauce in a uh, Hartsdale at chef central. All right. In any case, let's, let's read. So that's where we, that's where we are at in the, in this episode, in this interview, I should say. And again, forgive me if I'm exhausted and tired, try my best. Um, please like this video, leave a comment, please subscribe. If you're not subscribed and do the miss. Okay. So here's our interview guys. Not a very good interviewer. I'm sorry to say did not do that great of a job. I think he, uh, I don't know. Um, do the misfits keep you financially set or do you have to work a day job? Well, the thing is we have a lot of things going on. So the misfits pretty much funds the misfits. In other words, it used to cost me money to be in the band. When I was in the band with Glenn, Doyle and I would take, oh, we, we read this already. Doyle and I would take our paycheck and throw it on the counter at the music store and spend all our money on keeping the misfits going. And I think we got paid at the last gig we ever did. That was about it. After that, during the 80s, pretty much, we had to work to support our families. And then when the new band came back out, we hit levels. We hit levels, but we didn't hit the levels that I thought we could have had. I thought that Geffen dropped the ball. I thought that Roadrunner pretty much exploited our fans and took what they could from the project with, with while putting in as little as possible. That's why we started our own label. It just came to the point where, hey, look, if you're going to sell a quarter of a million records to our fans, then we should be the ones doing it because that's your break-even point when you deal with a big label. So I got to tell you, I, you know, say what you want about Uncle Jerry in the year 2003 when he's at full blow, full merchandise mode and all the fans are groaning about it. but. His pragmatic approach to running a label or being your own label is so like just like on the pulse, like so on the money. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's just he just got it going on, man. Like he he just he 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 just realizes like why am I why should we uh take a loan from from a bit from a label and they're not really doing anything for us and you know, blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Um, it just makes a lot of sense. So is it you and Doyle? Okay, here's an interesting, here's a hot button. Here's a, here's a tender subject. Let's see what, let's see what the answer is to this. Is it you and Doyle who own the label? Uh, right now it's me and John Caffiero, my manager. And then as soon as Doyle's back in, then Doyle as well. It's a good situation. I think it's going to be a great label. We're going to do horror films and put out DVDs. We're going to branch out. Right now, we've got merchandising up the gazoo, as you know. So as everybody knows, everybody knows how much merch Jerry got going on at that time, especially with the launch of Misfits Records. Uh, and is that true with Doyle? Is that is that a um, is that sort of like a mayoral pol politician answer? Yeah, Doyle's going to own a piece of the label. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, I don't know, not for me to talk about, just a lot of uh, brotherly brotherly issues, you know, at that time. And, you know, I don't know. Who knows if Doyle would have had a piece of that label? I, I would love to think that that was the truth, but I don't 
think that is the truth. Who knows? Uh, here's another interesting question. Jerry, be, Jerry being asked this in 2003, because this lineup, the lineup that he's about to talk about, this lineup was like stable for about three years, right? About three-ish years afterwards. Um, do you think Dez and Marky are going to stay in the band for a while, or is this a, just a one-off thing? He goes, oh, well, I hope so. I really like Marky as a permanent drummer. I think he's fantastic. I think Dez as a guest star would be great once Doyle gets back. If we can work with Glenn, again, there's the Glenn. There's the Glenn again. Because I'm sure the kids. Because <laughs> I'm sure the kids are going to want to see a straight up line. <laughs> a straight up lineup. All right. Let, let's think about all the things he said in just this one sentence. Ready? Oh, well, I hope so. I really would like Marky as a permanent drummer. I think he's fantastic. I think Dez would be. Uh, I think Dez as a guest star would be great because he, he's got Dez in the band right now. But he doesn't want to like, you know, he's like maybe like stringing him along, but like knowing that he's got to hold out for Doyle because if Doyle comes back and then Glenn comes back, we're all going to have a thing, you know, because uh, he just keeps mentioning how he wants to work with Glenn or how we're going to work with Glenn. He's, he's really eager to to get back with Glenn as one would want and hope and think maybe. <sighs> um. Uh, and Marky by far. So could you imagine with Marky in the band with Glenn and Doyle? Because I think that's what Jerry's thinking in his head. He's thinking, yeah, Des will be around. Yeah, yeah, Des will be around. But then when Glenn comes back, it'll be me, Doyle, Glenn, and Marky Ramon. <laughs> the ultimate lineup. <laughs> you know, um, it would be very interesting. I guess he did. Did Marky play Earth AD material? I mean, he must have, right? If he was in the band and they were doing songs, I would imagine. Um, and Marky, by far, in my opinion, is the best drummer on the planet. I mean, I hate to blow his horn, but you're gonna, Jerry. I mean, I hate to blow his horn, you know, because everybody does, but he's really solid. He cut our whole 80s album in eight hours, and that includes bringing the drums upstairs. He's an amazing drummer. I've never seen anything really like him. He's really good. And Des is fantastic as well. And we work well together. And there's a really good vibe. I mean, that's the one thing in the end. When we had Graves and Chud in the band, we wound up losing. Was that it wasn't fun anymore. It was like everybody was not like digging each other. It wound up getting really terrible. The thing, uh, the thing is, is that I would walk out of work and dread going on tour. I said, well, this is wrong. Um, so I've heard that about Marky. Marky is like meticulous in the studio. At least he was when they were doing those later Ramones albums. I was like, you know, Marky was really on, on the, on the beam when it came to that stuff. Um, so yeah, so Marky was, was all, all about building all the Ramones albums. I guess most albums are built from the drums up, but the Ramones albums were really, really built from the drums up. It was all about all predicated on the drums, at least from all the books I've read. Um, if you're a Ramones fan, I'm going to have Monty Melnick, the touring manager for the Ramones from 1974 to 1996. The cat spilled out of the bag. I wanted to leave it a surprise, but it's happening. Um, I, I usually don't talk about it until after it's happened because I hate it when it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out. But as of right now, it's working out. So uh, we're going to be pouring. I'm gonna, I have so many questions for Monty about the Ramones. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, in any case, in those later Ramones years, uh, uh, Marky was meticulous. So I'm sure 
that some of the reason why, you know, you know, Project 1950 is certainly recorded well, right? Uh, and I'm sure that Marky uh, had something to do with that. Marky now will say, oh, no, Jerry only played with me. I didn't play with Jerry only. I've heard him say that in interviews and how he went on tour because he pitied him. I don't know, all sorts of jazz. Who knows, man? You know those guys when they when they don't when they don't get along anymore they just they they start they start catfighting. You know Jerry has been very tight lipped. Jerry is very tight lipped about his falling out with Marky. Marky has talked talked a bunch about it, but not Jerry. One day I want to do a play by play on the Marky Ramon Johnny Rotten um, br- uh, spectacle on for that punk documentary thing. That was that was something else, man. That was that was fascinating. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, they had a falling out. Yeah, so 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 what Jerry's saying here, he's saying, you know, it's really nice to have these guys in the lineup. There's no drama because there was drama with with Graves and Chud, is basically what the gist is here. Um uh, I uh, so the drummer go so the interviewer says, Oh, I didn't, that sucks. Was it more ego or four different types of people? Um, Jerry says, no, it was just kind of a rebellious attitude. I was trying to point these guys in the right direction, you know, do vocal lessons, lift your weights, step into shoes, become the image. And that's, that's just, that is just classic grade a 2003 Jerry, man. Just like, we're going to lift weights. We got to go in the right direction. You know, and that's the that's the narrative. That's the narrative. I was trying to point these guys in the right direction. Come on, we got to do vocal lessons. You know? <laughs> uh, and and people sometimes, but I'm sure he's also he's speaking coded, veiled here. He's not he's not just you know he, he's not he's not spilling the beans for this interviewer. He's not very good at interviewing Jerry. But I mean, Jerry could literally interview himself, and I don't say that as like a negative. I say that as like. Jerry, just like, man, you say one thing and the dude's just off like a rocket. It's wonderful. You know, sometimes I've had this when I've interviewed, when I interview some people and they just like suck, they suck to be interviewed. Like they just are, a, they're, they're a limp noodle. And I find myself having to like, you know, uh, uh, do extra talking to keep the momentum going or to do, you know, so that's not fun. That's not fun when it's like that. You don't have that problem with a guy like Jerry ever, ever. But this interviewer is like that. He's like a wet, wet noodle. Um, so this is about, so he's, he's saying, and people sometimes don't like to be told they got to get out of bed. But my job is not really to be babysitting people. My job is really to be focusing on making the best band I possibly can. And in a lot of instances, there were a lot of times I felt we had the best band in the world. We would walk out on that stage and I felt there was nobody who could touch us. And that's really what it's about. And losing Michael and Glenn and being in a position where I had to go, where I had to go out and do the leads, it really helped my game. I may never be the greatest singer on the planet, but I'm definitely the best singing bass player on the planet. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Paul McCartney would uh, would have something to say about that. Um, so I'm going to be the best number two guy in the business. So it doesn't really matter. I may not be Shaq, but I could be Kobe, you know? You know, again, I, I got to say, you know, again, people are like, oh, why is Jerry singing? It's like he's doing this because he has to. He's doing this because he has to. And he he's self-aware. 
He's self-aware. He knows he's not the best singer in the world. He's never, he's not trying to go out and sell you that he's the best singer. He does it because he's got to do it. Because he's looking at the pattern. He's going, and in his mind, he probably includes Mike Hideous in this pattern, even though I wouldn't count Mike Hideous because Mike Hideous was used by Jerry. But he's looking and he goes, I can't hold on to a lead singer. First Glenn, then Michael, Mike Hideous, you know, then Michael Graves again, then Zoli, you know. But again, just to clarify, it was Mike Hideous who was used by Jerry. Not, But I'm just thinking maybe this is what Jerry's thinking in his head of like, this pattern that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put an end to it just by simply being the singer myself. And then I don't have to deal with this nonsense anymore. I can tell you as a, you know, trying to make movies and, you know, getting into, you know, like trying to hire people or trying to, you know, and, you know, money comes up or, you know, trying to work and find the right chemistry to work with someone and being like, you know what? Damn, I'm going to teach myself how to shoot video. I'm going to teach myself how to run sound. I'm going to teach myself how to do all these things so I don't have to rely on anybody not showing up. And I, that's what I see in Jerry right now. That's what I see. I can't blame him for that. Even if, the, again, the big problem is brand recognition, brand confusion. You're, you're doing this with under the name of the Misfits. You can't do that, Jerry. You can't. That's the only problem here. Uh, the interviewer says, the, the wet noodle interviewer says, did you get a lot of, I remember back when there was a whole lawsuit, getting the name back and everything. And Jerry just says, ah, yeah, that was disgusting. Uh, then the, the wet interviewer, the wet noodle interviewer says, when you first started playing out again, did you have problems at the dead Kennedys without Jello or having now with people boycotting and saying you're not the misfits? Let, what is Jerry only say about that in the year 2003 let's see what he says he goes well and i'm sure that again jerry is not an, jerry's not a dumb guy jerry jerry is, is self-aware he knows he knows what's up he knows he's not you know he probably is understands that connotation and simply goes i don't care it's my band i was there from the beginning i put all this money into it i want to keep doing it i don't care what people think that's what i would imagine he goes well i get that from time to time the thing was there was the actual image itself, the look of the band, the haircut, the makeup, the spikes. I made the spikes work. Pretty much, I fabricated the individuality of the band. So he's taking credit for fabricating the individuality of the band. So when people look at me, I kind of personify what they envisioned the band to be. And that's why I'm able to hold it even now without the presence of Doyle. I mean, if Doyle needs some time, I got his back. And then and it was nice because it also gave me the opportunity to do this solo project and really tie tie in the band. Oh my God. This is crazy. So I mean, he's he's kind of actually proving everything I just said about like not being having that ego in that sense. Now he does have that ego and how he is using it to justify how he can continue the band, even without the presence of Doyle. And he acknowledges that Project 1950 is essentially a Jerry-only side project, solo project that he's using with the Misfits name by saying, and really uh, tie in the band, uh, but not totally lock the band down to it, where people would say, well, we don't know if this is it or whatever. But it came to a point where I was able to take number one songs and go out and showcase my vocals that I've been working on and really not be harshly judged for doing it. And really, that's what I wanted to do. We know 
Obviously, that is what you wanted to do. Because let me tell you, if you didn't want to do it, you would not be doing it. And nobody would be upset if you were not doing it. But, you know, again, this is like, it's the Jerry Only show, I guess, you know. So that's kind of interesting. Okay, so maybe my whole theory is wrong. And maybe what everybody has always said and, you know, talked about is right the whole time. Always. I don't know. Or maybe this is how Jerry only tries to save face, you know, from a PR perspective, despite whatever he might personally believe. He goes, in the event that I do have to sing in this band, then I would like to get Des on one side of me and Doyle on the other side and double up on the guitars. That's when Black Flag stepped up to a level where we used to play with them a lot. They were a four-piece and we were a four-piece. When Des stepped to rhythm guitar and they had the extra guitar, it was like the difference between Iron Maiden and Val- Van Halen. So all of a sudden you had this extra dimension of guitar playing. Not that Eddie can't do it alone because those guys love Van Halen. But yeah, and we've already seen that lineup. And maybe that's how Jerry's going, oh, okay, Michael and Chud are gone, so let's bring Dez in, and we're going to do the Black Flag thing that they did. Maybe that's where that place came from. Maybe it wasn't about threatening Doyle or being like, Doyle, you're replaceable, you know, but Doyle wasn't having it, you know. The interviewer says, but I know what you mean, though. He goes, you know what I'm saying? Jerry says, you know what I'm saying? I got two different feels. It's fatter and it's thicker. (laughs) What? Jerry, I thought this was about the kids. Come on, man. It's fatter and thicker. So that it would be an evolution in the music scheme that I would consider. But the What is he talking about? But the main thing is that we keep the continuity of the band and write great albums. The, literally the same. He says that every interview for the next like six years, seven years, eight years. I mean, the Ramones went through a couple different lineup changes. And Johnny and Joey held through the whole thing. So right now, I'm the only one hanging in there. But at the same time, I expect Doyle to come back and maybe even Glenn and put this thing really into a level where people are going to sit up and take notice. And that would happen. That happened, dude. It took 13 years, but it happened. That is exactly what happened. Both those dudes came back and they took, and people took notice. They're still taking notice. In the meantime, I like, like I say, I just keep sharpening my teeth. You sure do, Jerry. You sure do. The interviewer says, uh, had there been a move, has there been a move? I know it's been a lot of years since you started, 25 years. Are the Misfits shows the same as they used to be in terms of, it seems like there used to be a lot of anger and violence in the shows. So again, here's where like the, the, the history starts to change up a bit, right? Now Jerry's saying, now it's, we've been around for 25 years. Not really. You've been around for five years. Five years? No. Eight years. You've been back for eight years. You've only been around for 13 years. I mean, it's not really. There was a huge gap. One third, over one third of that time. No, not one third. Do the math. About half that time, you weren't even a band. I don't know. I don't know. I think that that this is when the anniversary thing starts to become a little, you know, um. He goes, well, I tell you what, I've been getting a little pissed off lately, 
But that's my personal gripe with, I don't know, just the kids are, that are being jerks, you know? The kids, the kids, they're being jerks. Jerry's kids. Uh, we're faster than we've ever been. We're faster now than we've ever been. That might be an issue when we get Glenn back. I, he, How many times has he brought up Glenn? Seriously. This kid has never once asked about Glenn. He asked about it one time. Jerry has sent Glenn's name like five or six times. What's up, Rue? Rue Mork, what's going on, buddy? Um, five or six times he said he said uh, Jerry's name. Uh, he said Glenn's name. Um, so he's saying we're faster now than we've ever been. We know that. We, we, we know. And that might be an issue once we get Glenn back because I'll tell you what, you're going to be really on it to keep up. And the other thing is I think we're very well-rounded by having Marky and Des in the lineup. It enables me to do a couple of Ramones songs that are hits. You know what I mean? And also we get to do a couple of Black Flag things, which the kids appreciate. We do Rise Above and we do Six Pack. We do a couple songs like that. So it's a little more diversified. I think with the releases of a true new Misfits album, I think with the release of a true new Misfits album, that would have to change. We'll have to really focus more on misfit stuff, which is really where we're starting uh, to get ready for it for October. Because, you know, I just want to pay homage to John, to Joey and Didi. What is he saying? He's not making any sense. He's literally saying like random things and putting them into sentences. He just got, he just is saying how we have to focus more on misfit stuff, which is what we're getting ready for in October. Because, you know, I just want to pay homage to Joey and Didi. I thought that since their music really inspired us and obviously made Marky who he is and just doing songs like a lobotomy and KKK and sedated, they're great. What are you going to do? You can't bypass them. We have the ability to do them. So why not pull them off? But there's a limit to that too. Now, now the other thing that's not being said is what I'm, what, oh man. And there are some people who could answer this question for me. Um, there, there are two people off the top of my head who I could think that could answer this question for me. Um, what was, what was Jerry's, how were Jerry's guarantees affected by having this all-star lineup of Dez and Marky in the band? How did that change the, how did that change everything around? Is he, are, are his guarantees higher? Is he commanding more money by, by doing those misfit songs? Is that, I mean, those, those Ramon songs, is that why? They're in the, the set list. I would imagine so. I, I would, or I wonder if that, that, that helps, that helps grease the wheels a little bit. Uh, the interviewer asked, were you following Glenn's, were you following Glenn's career after he left? Were you into any of his music? Uh, Jerry says in the eighties. No, I mean, I know mother did really well for him, but he was in the top 40 with that. Glenn's stuff got really dark and really, I want to say grungy, but that wouldn't be the right word, but more grindy sort of stuff. Less melodic, asked the interviewer. Uh, Jerry says, well, more hard blues almost. And that's even a bad word too. And that's even a bad word too, but I would say more rhythm oriented and less melody oriented. But that's Glenn trying to be hard, you know? And I think he did well. I think he did what he set out to do. And I think it went further than if somebody were to just throw it up in my face in the beginning and say, hey, we're going to run with this. What do you think of this? I didn't think it would hit top 40, but it did. Every once in a while, you hear Mother on the radio, you know, and, every, and everybody breaks my balls. 
So it's so interesting to hear him talk about Glenn's career in these terms. Really, says the introvert. Everyone says, oh, hey, listen to this. But that's cool. I learned something from my whole legal battle. The better that Glenn does, the more I'm worth as an artist. Ha. It's a sad reality, but it's true. That's It is true, man. And it goes back to what Guarcinio, I did an interview with Guarcinio Hall from two minutes to late night. And I asked him the question, so why did the Misfits get a metal pass? Is it because of Metallica? But he gave me an answer that I was not expecting. He threw it. He threw the ant. Uh, he threw me a curveball, and he said, "Because of Danzig." And I'm going, "Danzig, but Danzig's in the Misfits." He's like, "No." He's like, "Danzig the band." I'm like, "Oh, right, yes, of course, Danzig the band. Of course, Danzig the band is going to heighten the Misfits brand." I mean, that's just so like two plus two equals four. But in the same way, I mean, it's true. The, the better he does, the better that um, that that Jerry does as an artist. But the, isn't that like also sad that that's how Jerry thinks about it? The better that Glenn does, he always says it's a sad reality, but it's true. He goes, the better that Glenn does, the more that I'm worth as an artist. That Jerry is only worth something as an artist by what Glenn does. Meaning that Glenn does all, all the, everything that these guys have it all comes from Glenn and that, you know, what does that say about them? But I would say that's like, it's not true. It's really not true actually, because I think about, I think about musical output that's has nothing to do with Glenn and it's pretty great. And I'm not even talking about Jerry. Um, Jerry. Okay, here we go. Here's a here's an here's an interesting question. God, this was a long interview. I was gonna try and read this all last time. We did two hours last time. That's crazy. Um he the interviewer asked, Did you co-write a lot of the early songs that ended up and he gets cut off right there? He goes, Musically, I arranged a lot of it and wrote all of the intro riffs and stuff like that. On a musical level, we probably wrote 25% or maybe 30% of the music between me and Doyle. But Glenn was really psyched on having everything in his name and all that kind of stuff. That was one of our settlement things, but that's okay. He did write all the lyrics. I wrote a line here, a line there, just because I thought he had something. When I ran it past him, he liked it. So that was me just stumbling there. Hmm. He was doing that. The way things used to work was, the way our business ran was, he would book the shows and basically put together the songs, and me and Doyle would go to the shop and build the equipment and pay the money to get the band where it needed to go. So it was a good relationship, and I thought that it ended up working well because he's an excellent songwriter. And based on that, it was really good to see that when we put American Psycho and Famous Monsters together, that our stuff sounded more like us than something he did after. If you listen to the last two Misfits albums, you would say, well, that sounds more like the Misfits than Danzig's albums. You know, that that is actually true. True. So he, okay, so he still stands by what he says, that he wrote 25 or 30% of the music between him and Doyle, uh, but that Glenn wrote all the lyrics and he would write a line here or there. You know what? I think that, I think that's pretty, I don't know if it's 25 or 30%. I think a, a small percentage of the music was, could be attributed to Jerry and Doyle. I, I do. I, I think... 
on some of that stuff, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it was solely Glenn. Because again, why wouldn't Glenn be playing guitar? Why didn't Glenn play guitar? You just wanted to be a front man. Yeah. Um, I think what I think Jerry is still pretty. I, I don't think this is. Uh, I don't think this is, and I don't think this is Jerry trying to even bolster ego. I think he's really sort of like reflecting on the past and sort of just like accepting everything as it is. It's not, there's no bitterness. That's the difference between Jerry in 2003 and Jerry in 1993. Jerry in 1993 is a chip on his shoulder. Jerry in 2003 is not a bitter guy. He's really not. He's got his own thing going and he he's a lot more secure about this stuff. He's still not going to say that that Glenn wrote all the music, but he is going to, you know, not claim that he wrote lyrics the way that he's claimed in the past. So I don't know. Um, the interviewer says, yeah, well, when American Psycho came out, I didn't like it as much, but it seemed like, you know, I was excited, like, oh, let's see what these guys can do without Glenn Danzig. And it sounded to me, I'm just one guy. It sounded like you were, trying to do the same kind of thing. Whereas, and Jerry says, well, we were trying to write really fast, aggressive three chord songs. But when we got in the studio, Mike was a little gun shy to make a long story short. Ooh, he didn't sing with any kind of aggression. He was like being a little prissy about it. We were like, no man, dig in. But it was a learning experience. I think American psycho was a great song. Dig up her bones is a great song from hell. They came was a great song. Uh, then the interviewer says, but Famous Monsters came out, and I was like, well, they don't need Glenn Danzig. These are great songs. Jerry says, well, yeah, that's true. That diversity that diversity end of it showed up more in Famous Monsters. It was just something like that. I was basically judged by, the way, by what the fans would think. If I was a Misfits fan, what the hell would I want the first album to be? And then after that, I didn't care. Hey, I did what you want. Now I'm going to do what we do. I like it a lot. I liked it a lot. I thought that was the whole thing. But you got to realize, if you look at all the original Misfits albums, Static Age is very New York and dark sounding. Walk Among Us is just very, I want to say not pop, but really fast and catchy. It is pop. Walk Among Us is totally a pop album. It is, man. It is. I'm sorry to say it. It is, dude. Those songs are pop, man. Pure and simple. It's it's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful music. And Earth AD is, the, is a turning point in rock and roll history because all of a sudden... After Earth AD, all the speed metal bands and all the death metal bands came rolling down the pike. Um, yeah. Wow. I think he's so right there. He's right. Static Age is very New York and dark sounding. Walk Among Us is pop. And Earth AD, he says, uh, uh, Earth AD, Earth, Earth AD begats speed metal, but it's hardcore. Hardcore thrash, right? Um, the, the interviewer says, I've heard Earth AD. I don't know how you feel about it at this point. <laughs> Jerry's response to that is, we recorded it in six hours. <laughs> um, then the interviewer responds, I think it's incredible. I think it's an amazing record. Uh, Jerry says, we did it from midnight to six in the morning after we played a show with Black Flag at the Santa Monica Civic, I think. That was after a gig. We recorded me, Doyle, and Robo all at once. And Glenn slept. He was tired and he didn't have to sing till the music was done. So I said, we know the stuff. Go to bed. Uh, the, the, the interviewer, the wet noodle interviewer says, one of those books, I don't know if it was American Hardcore, this band could be your life or something. 
one of those books was talking about how somebody, when they mixed it, they had all the re reverb noises too, or feedback noises too loud. So you couldn't hear the guitars or something. Uh, and Jerry says, well, no, the thing was there were feedback tracks that actually a lot of them weren't used. We actually, Doyle and I just opened the door, ran the tape through our guitars on the floor, bleh, ran the tape and threw our guitars on the floor and let them feedback, close the doors. See, I always heard it was just at the end of the album, but I guess they did that for an entire track's worth of stuff. God, what I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall during the recording of Earth AD. Could you imagine? Um, the interviewer says, that album just sounds like it's on fire. All the, whoa, woo, whoo. And Jerry goes, ah, it is on fire. It's a great album. I think it was, uh, the thing was, it was supposed to be Motorhead meets the Misfits. Death Comes Ripping is a key example of that because it's almost the ace of spades. That album really changed a lot, uh, a lot of the way people viewed music. And the sad, and the sad thing was, the band fell apart after that because I think we could have taken it to another step if we had just pulled it together and said, "Hey, look, we had an argument. Who gives a ish? Let's. Hey, I'm wrong or I'm right. It doesn't really matter. The main thing is that this band keeps going." But I think Glenn was up for a change too. And I think he was looking to be the boss. And we were in a boss kind of an outfit. But the shows over the years, every time he puts out a dancing record, he's pretty much got a new lineup, you know? But that's okay. That's fine. Hopefully everything will pass and we can get on to doing great stuff again. Um, yeah, man, I do agree. I think that if they could have kept it together, if they had pulled it together, they could have taken it to another step. And I talked about this when I spoke with uh, Damien, Pete Marshall from Sam Hain. I made the uh, notion that, you know, Steve Zing and Erie Vaughn both have their own bands. It's funny. They're both, they're both, uh, uh, hard, they're both in hardcore bands and they're both the drummers. And they're also, I don't know if you'd call them not front men, but they're like the, the, the driving force in each one of those bands. Right. And, um, and both at separate times, I think, are approached by Glenn. Hey, can you want to drum for the Misfits? And both turn it down because they're so involved with their bands. And had they agreed, or maybe even worked out an arrangement, this is in my own fantasy head. Like this isn't, there's no basis of reality, but had they worked out a thing, maybe, oh, you know, Steve would do a tour here and Erie would do a tour there. Who, who knows? Because Doyle went to school with both Steve and, and Erie. Those guys both looked up to Jerry and Glenn. I mean, the dynamic would have worked. They would have all gotten along. I think it would have been a very stable situation had they figured out how to make it work together and couldn't do it. I mean, well, it imploded on its own. But I think it would have, I think they would have stayed, stayed the course. Maybe they would have played up through the 80s, man. And then maybe Danzig would have gone off on his own. Who knows? I don't know, man. It's an interesting thing to uh, future trip on or past future trip on or just think about in that kind of way. You know, I got to tell you, I, you know, I was expecting like a lot more like ridiculousness from reading this interview with Jerry. And I really think Jerry, I mean, for the most part, like there's a lot of stuff in here where Jerry is like not so off kilter about what he's saying. like. Or he goes, he says things in kind of like a roundabout way. He's got so much stuff coming out of his head all at once that like he can't even talk, like in the sense of like 
he he he's like he's he, he goes from this tangent to this tangent to this tangent to this tangent, kind of like myself actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very it's kind of it's just interesting. I just wasn't expecting this from reading this interview. Um, I, I really think he's on on the ball too about like what each one of those albums represented: Static Age, Walk Among Us, and Earth AD. Um, the 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 interviewer says, even if not, I'm really looking forward to hearing. Well, first of all, the new album I gotta get, and then what you guys come up with next. I was impressed with Famous Monsters, and I think I'll be impressed by the next thing you do. Cuts from the crypt, contractual obligation to Roadrunner Records. Jerry goes, well, hey, thanks. Okay, anything else? Because I got another one. I think I'm a little behind on. Uh, for the kids, for the kids. Uh, he goes, oh, no, I'm sorry. And he goes, no, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ah, I'm glad you're interested. That's cool. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, okay, great. Bye, bye. And then we have some we have some readers' comments. Let's should we read through the readers' comments? Let's do that real quick. Um, <laughs> Penguiner at hotmail.com says, Well, only sure is a talker. Good you asked him about Earth AD because it's such a great album. And I can't believe that it was recorded in only six hours. Only is a great guy. He always brings the misfits to South America, and he's really nice on stage with the fans. Sadly, when they came in 2000, some kids started spitting at them, having Graves busting the mic into someone's head and Doyle punching a guy in the face and stepped on the stage for the third time. Kids can be real jerks. He's right. No wonder he's losing patience. Uh, mail at rockandbones.net, a.k.a. Robert, says, I really enjoyed the interview. You just ask the right questions for him to open up. It's cool to get him to open up. You know, give hand Jerry an envelope and it'll open it up. You know, that's not that's not hard. Come on, that that's that's the best part about Jerry. He's such a people person. He's so gregarious and friendly. Do you know I've only met him one time? I met him one time backstage at Riot Fest. I saw him at a at a at a flag TSOL show, all dressed to the nines. And can you believe that I didn't even talk to him? I just was like, God, I was like, oh, there's Jerry only. Didn't say a word. Didn't go up to him. Didn't ask to take a didn't ask to take a a picture or anything. Just 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 was like, wow, there there he is. There's Jerry in the flesh. Um I did get to have a conversation with him backstage, though, at, at Riot Fest. And you know what blew me away more than anything else about Jerry? Here he's just put on one of the most important shows of his life. He's just played, uh, you know, this 90-minute set for the first time with this band since 1983. You know, he's friggin' tired and stuff. And, like, here he is, like, just talking to this no, like, just this, you know, this peon who's just, like, you know, on the side of the stage. He just sat and just chatted with me, just like totally like just, you know, off the cuff. I, I found that I, I was blown away by that. Wait a minute. Rock and Bones. Oh, it's a video zine out of Texas. Uh, JD at JeffDove.net. All right. Do we got to find out what is JeffDove.net? What do you guys think it is? Let's go find out. Let's let's see if it pops anything up. JeffDove.net. Not secured. Oh, it could not be found. Well, you know, we're only 17 years late. Let's try rockandbones.net. The video, the video fanzine. Does it still exist? Come on, Rock and Bones. <gasps> what? Now, it brought us to a clothing. Oh, this is a memorial. Interesting. The original RIP from 2005 to 2018. Cool. 
All right, so Rock and Bones turns into something else. Turns into like an archive thing. That's cool, man. Good for you, Rock and Bones. Let's see what else we got. We got anything else here? Well, anyway, Jeff Dove at jeffdove.net. After reading your interviews with Ginn, read the Black Flag Reunion and the interview with Jerry Only, it reminds me that in June 1983 at the Santa Monica Civic Show, he talks about, uh, uh, that he talks about was a previous Black Flag Reunion. This was called the Everything Went Black Show. And as it happened about the time that the comp came out, with all references to Black Flag blotched out on the original release due to the yet unsettled MCA Unicorn lawsuit because Unicorn had Black Flag signed. And when when Black Flag was out, that lineup where, where, uh, where Dez is on rhythm guitar and Chuck is in the band, they're not recording. They can't actually officially record as Black Flag because of this Unicorn lawsuit. It's this insane situation. But they're going out and they're playing shows as Black Flag. Um, Black Flag rarely played L.A. after about 1981. This was because cop hassles prevented clubs or DIY shows from having them. When they did play, it was once or twice a year at some big venue like the Stardust Ballroom or Perkins Palace. This show was opened by the original Steve-O lineup Vandals, who threw cases of Budweiser into the crowd. That's all we got. We just the opening band. The Misfits followed. I remember one of them, Jerry, I think, breaking the skull head off of his guitar and throwing it to the crowd. A Misfits bouncer then came out and cracked the guy who caught it across his head and took it back. <laughs> the flag show opened with Chavo singing with Greg, Chuck, and Billy Stevenson, mostly doing the Jealous Again EP. Des then came out and did some of his favorites, including Police Story and Louie Louie. Uh, this was uh, in the period when Flag had been touring heavily out of LA, outside of LA, but Howden put out a record for two years due to legal hassles. Their current thing was the songs which would come out on the My War and slip it in as on the 1982 demo recordings. But most of the locals hadn't heard any of this. Rollins sang a long set with songs like Black Coffee and Can't Decide. The relatively sluggish beat of these new songs drove the crowd into the first occurrence of the Circular Slam Pit, which soon became a thing. So that, so Slam, so this guy is citing this show as the birth of the Circular Slam Pit. The finale had Robo taking over on drums and all three singers on stage doing a few songs, which included Nervous Breakdown. Keith Morris was invited, but decided not to show up. Okay, so this is Jackie at Take the Pain Away at Hotmail. Hey there, just emailing to say I enjoyed this interview with Jerry. I met him a couple times. I know him through Angry Artie of Punk Legends 101, and he's an awesome person to talk to. It's a little hard to get a word in sometimes, but hey, it's better than I'm a star and too cool for you kind of attitude that certain so that a certain someone has given to me a few times. That certain someone being Michael Graves. Ouch! <gasps> uh, keep up the great work, honey. All right, this guy wrote his comment in all caps locks. Should I read this in a voice that re represents the all caps locks? I think I will. Scotty Jenkins at Charter138 at Charternet, Charter.net. I've met them all several times, and Jerry is the only cool one out of, of the out of them all. He always signs your ish, no matter how many effing people are standing there. Doyle, 
always takes off backstage. And the last time I seen Glenn, he wouldn't sign anything for anyone. Now for who are, what are the real misfits? The old misfits probably had 20 effing members in six or so years. The same situation with Danzig. In the past few years, he went through several different lineup changes. People never said, hey, that's not the real Danzig. When the Misfits came back in 95 with a new album and tour, I was just as excited to see Jerry and Doyle live. I did not expect Michael Graves to replace Glenn. Glenn is Glenn, and that's effing it. Graves is good, and he was thrown for what he was thrown into. I get so pick up people, sick of people, including my friends, trying to compare the new Misfits with the old Misfits, saying, oh, man, you're not getting effed to go see a new Misfits play. That's not the real Misfits. I just look at them and say, F you, I'm going to see the Misfits until the real Misfits get back together. <laughs> Which will happen. Jerry and Doyle want to get back with Glenn, but Glenn's ego was too high. Now, until now, Doyle is doing the special guest appearance with Glenn at the end of the summer. But Dantrick's Black Eyes have the Black Door! Our wait is over, fans! <laughs> I can't believe people are still listening to me after I just did that whole thing. Misfits013 at sbccglobal.net says, uh, I haven't personally met the Misfits, but everything that I've read, seen, heard, or even listened to makes me like Jerry only more and more. He just seems like a really nice guy who doesn't have the same I'm a big star, I'm too cool for you attitude. I definitely like him better. I really enjoyed this interview because I totally saw where Jerry was coming from with everything. Plus, everything he said makes me feel the same way about dancing. It busts my balls listening to Mother on the radio without the original group together. Michael Godet at sbc.globalnet. Wow, look at all these crazy-ass last SBC Global Net. What is that? That's either a company that or a website that he works for. Or that's like some – is that an out, an, uh, an outdated uh, email service provider client? Love the interview. Jerry – only embodies what punk is all about. I've seen the Misfits twice. Fiend Fest and another independent show. As an inspiring vocalist, songwriter, I love to hear different perspectives. And this interview goes in depth to the mind of a working class hero who takes care of family and friends, but keeps his heart and soul in his band and music. Something too many artists are losing these days, bringing themselves up to an un almost untouchable level, saying they're real people. While buying mansions and cars and alienating themselves. Oh, God bless the misfits. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's enough. Schizo Fitzo 83. Hey, Schizo Fitzo 83, coming to you live from yahoo.com. I just saw the misfits and got to shake Jerry's only, Jerry Only's hand afterwards. I guess he seems nice, but he didn't look me in the face or anything. And my hand still hurts like hell. Damn, he's got a grip. Des Kadena, sign my, sign my Walkman, was a bit nicer. Either way, it was a great show. But I'm hoping I can look forward to seeing the dead Kennedys. I saw... Listen... I love Des. I think Des is awesome, and I love his work in Black Flag. So what I say is not meant to insult Des. However, I think that when Des did this, he did this to appease the fan that asked him to sign it. 
Des signed a horror business. And it just kind of blew me away because I'm going like, I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, like that record, you didn't play on that record. How can you sign the record that you didn't play on from the old band from 79? It like blew my mind. And you know what? At the end of the day, Des is just fulfilling the request of a fan. I can't really, bl- I guess I could kind of, you could, you could put some of the blame on Des by saying, Des, you know better than do, to do something like that. But the flip side of that is the dumb guy or girl or whoever who had an original horror business and felt the need to get it autographed by a member of the new Jerry Fitz who never played on the record. This is ridiculous. This is a crazy thing to do, in my my opinion. I don't know. Add your thoughts. I wonder if I can. Is it going to let me? See what happens. Oh, it brings me to a, an email. An email that I have to. No, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested. Um, so we have this other interview, and I am so spent that I'm going to save it for next week or the week after that or something. Um, so this is to be continued once again, you guys. But listen. It's been it's been some it's been some time. Uh, the one other thing I want to sh- uh, share with you is I'm not going to post it here yet. I have a new T-shirt design. Uh, this was a request that I got several times over several different platforms, and to me, I thought in my head, well, there must be some sort of um, there must be some sort of demand for it, and you know, I have not seen one of a shirt like this, and so I I designed a new shirt. I think I've I've actually done very poorly with, with the t-shirt designs. Again, just something fun fun to do. I, I it's, I'm not saying that it's like you know the the, the be all I don't. Although you are supposed to believe in your product, but I think this this next shirt I did. I think this new shirt is a real real good shirt. I think it's something else. I think people are gonna like it a lot. We're gonna like it a lot. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I think I think I'll drop it in a week, and uh, it'll be available on the Teespring. T Teespring T-shirt side. Oh my goodness! One last thing, I totally forgot. Um, oh. I'll save it for next week. I'll save it for next week, beginning of the episode. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Please, if you like this content, I know this episode is kind of like blah blah blah. blah. Uh, please subscribe to the page if you have not already. This is very helpful to me. Please like. The, this video, leave a like, leave a comment, um, let the ads, let the commercials play out on these videos. It really helps me a lot as an unemployed human being. It helps greatly, uh, especially when my dream is to maybe even do this full time. I can't believe I actually said that out loud. But yeah, I love doing this stuff. And I'm just like, I want, I mean, and the thing is, it's like, I kind of want to just keep doing it. And it's like, I feel like an irresponsible 16 year old who like has like big boy ob- obligations wanting to do something childish. But, you know, at the end of the day, family comes first. But man, I'm just like, oh, if I had the kind of audience where I, I would just be doing this every day. Well, I already do it every day, but I'm going to keep doing it every day. I'm going to keep doing it until. Maybe I get to a point where there's some sort of supplementation. I don't know. 
point is let the let these ads play out if you're not doing anything. If you're not in a great rush, you can let them play out. Rue, thanks again. Thanks for Rue is always always here for the show. He loves it, along with a couple other guys. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to say. Tony Matura um gave me some cool content. We're gonna check that out. That's what I wanted to say. Now I remember. I am exhausted. I'm dead. I'm dead. I am dead. Look, I'm so dead. I've removed my trademark. My trademark. Thank you. Hey, Adam. Thank you so much, man. You have a great week. We'll see you next week, Adam. Thanks for tuning in. Um, that's how tired I am. I'm taking off my sunglasses. My trademark sunglasses. Um, so, guys, I'll see you next week. Peace and hair grease. We're going to, it might be more Jerry only. It might be something else. I, I do kind of want to, I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of all Jerryed out for now, but I also kind of want to finish this tired. We have one more 2003 interview and I want to hear him talk more about his, his relationship with Marky Ramon. That's something else I'm kind of interested in now. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Thanks. Thanks again, everybody. Have a wonderful night. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>